Welcome to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta, where we are committed to changing lives with faith, hope, and love. We're so glad you are here. Now, a second scripture lesson from the Gospel of John. John chapter 18, verses 1 to 11. Again, I invite you to listen for the word of the Lord. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley to a place where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas brought a detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees, and they came there with lanterns and torches and weapons. Then Jesus knowing all that was to happen to him, came forward and asked them, Whom are you looking for? They answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus replied, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Again he asked them, Whom are you looking for? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am he. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken. I did not lose a single one of those whom you gave me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's slave, and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus. Jesus said to Peter, put your sword back into its sheath. Am I not to drink the cup that the Father has given me? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Most days when it's nice out, and even sometimes when it's not so nice out, I like to ride my bike here to the church. And when I get here, as I did this morning, I park it in the bike rack outside that Mike Clark Felter installed about four years ago now. Just having the option of riding a bike to this church is a benefit of living close by that I am grateful for. And this blessing only comes with a couple of challenges. Number one, how will I get home if it starts raining after I got here? And two, how do I survive riding over the Harris-Hines Memorial Bridge? One Monday morning, I was riding here on my bicycle, and I got to that bridge. You know the one that I'm talking about. It's the bridge right behind the church that takes Kennesaw Avenue over the 120 loop, and going over that bridge is the part of the ride that scares me the most because the the road kind of narrows, and people, they uh, speed up in their cars to get over the railroad track, so I almost always illegally ride on the sidewalk instead of in the street. Well, that Monday, there were two people walking on the sidewalk already. I first came up behind Jenny Brogan, a member of this church, who, who tolerated me as I squeezed past her on, the, uh, on my bicycle. Up ahead was, was the other, uh, a man I didn't know, but who I think sometimes uh, parks in our parking lot and then walks to his office on the square, which, which I guess we can let him do. I don't, I don't really know. But as I passed him by... As I passed him by on my bike, he said to me just loud enough for me to hear, you know, it's illegal to ride a bike on the sidewalk. (laughs) 
I didn't know this man, and his words struck me, so I thought about stopping to apologize or explain myself. Only then the thought occurred to me. What if he, he asked me who I am and where I'm going? How is it going to look to this man I've never met before? How is it going to reflect on this church if I so blatantly disregard the standards of public safety on my way over here? What if he said, well, you know what? I was thinking of visiting that church, but now that the preacher nearly pushed me off the sidewalk and into oncoming traffic, I think I'd rather not. <laughs> For that reason, I just kept on riding, but I still... Think about that moment. I still think about almost running this man off the sidewalk on my bicycle because while it's not as bad as cutting off someone's ears, still it is another instance where I must wonder how, how well the gospel is being proclaimed through the actions of those who call themselves Christians. Think with me about the slave Malchus. The Bible takes the time to give us his name, which is a sign of just how important he is to remember. We just read Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest slave and cut off his right ear. The slave's name was Malchus, and he was doing nothing more than minding his own business, obeying his master's wishes. So what did he think about the prince of peace after his right-hand man, Simon Peter, cut off his ear with a sword? How was the gospel proclaimed in that moment? How was the kingdom of God advanced? On whom has Christ built his church? Do you know that line? First time Peter, then known as Simon, fully recognized Jesus for, for who he was. He said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Excited, Jesus then said to him, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. When Jesus makes this declaration, it is a spirit-filled moment recorded in Scripture, and there's even more to it if you can read it in Greek, the language the account was originally written in. For in Greek, the word for rock is Petros, or Peter. The name Peter just means Rock, which is why Jesus names the man formerly known as Simon Peter. He, he says it all. His name says it all. He is the rock Christ's church is built upon. But the rock just cut off a man's ear. What do you do with that? Another important play on words, which I believe helps explain an important point, is an easy one to miss in our second scripture lesson because this line hinges on our ability to read Hebrew. When the detachment of soldiers together with police from the chief priests and the Pharisees were led by Judas with lanterns and torches and swords, Jesus asked them, whom are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am. Now, that's not what we read in English because a literal, a literal translation of the ancient language doesn't make much sense. So, just a moment ago, we read Jesus' response as, I am he. That's not an exact translation. What I want you to know is that in our first scripture lesson, when Moses asked God, Whom shall I say sent me? And God says, Tell them, I am sent you. 
In our second scripture lesson, Jesus is quoting God because that's who he is. As he's being arrested, he's letting them know that he is the God of Abraham and Sarah, of Miriam and Moses, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's letting them know that he is the power behind the burning bush and the pillar of flames that led the people through the wilderness. Incarnate in human flesh, he is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one who created this world, who sustains it, and still works through human history to redeem it again and again and again. Bible scholars will tell you that here Jesus invokes the divine name. Which explains why the intimidated band of armed men who had come to arrest him stepped back and fell to the ground before a uh, collection of threadbare disciples led by the Prince of Peace. These soldiers and police officers kneel before him because they knew that they are not God, yet he just said he is. So now, uh, go back to Peter, who is the rock that the church is built upon. Did, did he really cut off a man's ear? Yes, he did. Can you really build a church on Peter? Of course you can. So long as Peter and everyone listening to him remembers that he's not God, but I am, Jesus says, I am. This is the final Sunday of an eight-week sermon series focused on the I Am statements of Jesus. Week after week this summer, we focused on these phrases which Jesus uses to describe himself. This summer, we've thought about how Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world, I am the gate, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life, and last Sunday, I am the vine. Now we reach the eighth and final statement, which is just plain, I am. You have to think about this one uh, to find out what it means. You have to think about it just a little bit harder. You have to read a little bit further to understand what he means here. Even scholars typically only deal with the first seven of these I am statements. But Reverend Cassie Waits, who came up with the idea for the series and the idea for the ribbons, added this eighth saying because saying I am goes so far in Jesus' effort to describe himself to us, and this description goes a long way in helping us to understand who we are. With this statement, Jesus is explicitly saying, I am the same God who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush and led the people out of slavery. But what I want to focus on this Sunday is what's implicit in the statement because it's also as though Jesus is saying, I am God and you are not. Do you know anyone who gets that confused? Some people do. And so I have a message for those members of a neighboring church who, who find themselves in the news week after week these days. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know when I say that Mount Bethel United Methodist Church is in the headlines. 
Some are disappointed in the pastor who is refusing to do what the bishop says. Others are disappointed in the bishop for making this move for reasons of church politics rather than for the well-being of the congregation. Both factions make a fair point, only here's what's most important for any frustrated members to remember. Neither the bishop nor the pastor is God. I am, Jesus says. We must remember that. If we don't, we'll stand to be disappointed again and again and again. For no human being can stand up to divine standards. We are not perfect. I am, Jesus said. We are not always selfless, but I am, Jesus says. We're not free from ambition, ego, narcissism, pride, or human error. Though Jesus says, I am. Plus the quote the pastor who did our premarital counseling years ago if you are looking for flaws in your spouse you're going to find them that's proven to be true as Sarah looks at me she has found my flaws but that also goes for any pastor for any doctor for your kids, for yourself, for politicians, the CDC, the World Health Organization, CNN, the school board, the Rotary Club, or anything else that is run by human beings. Some might ask, then who should we be listening to? Is it just eeny, meeny, miny, moe? No, it's and he is it. We're not perfect, but I am, Jesus said. I am. What do we do with that? Well, I'll tell you. Don't confuse preachers with Jesus. Don't confuse politicians with the Savior. Don't confuse your doctor and God and don't think you're that that don't think that you are so powerful for you are not perfect and neither is anybody else. Amazing things happen through you. That's a fact still. We try too hard. We we hold too tightly. We deny our own human shortcomings. This week you were given a, a blue ribbon. Blue is the color of Mary, the mother of Jesus. I think about her and I think about all that she knew about her her baby. How she knew that she wasn't the one to put the world right. No, she wasn't. I am, Jesus said. That's what I want you to write about today. That's what I want you to write this Sunday on your blue ribbon. What do you need help with? There's this country song you might know, Jesus Take the Wheel. That's not very good advice when it comes to driving a car. But there are multiple instances in life where that is the best advice in the world. Why? Because sometimes with us, it is impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. When you get right down to it, who is he to you or who do you long that he would be what is the thing you know you can't do and long for him to help you with what is the shortcoming that you need his grace to fill 
There's been a million pages written about it by theologians, and yet any child here can, can tell you the truth that we are weak, yet he is strong. Give to the Lord your weakness. Being a Christian isn't about perfection. If you want to be a Christian in your heart, then kneel before him and surrender. For there comes a moment when we must stop thinking. If I could just be the right person, if I could just get the right answer, if I would just try a little bit harder, if I would just be better, we must stop thinking this way, for Christ has built his church on the rock of imperfect Peter and on the reality of our own weakness, for all weakness points to his strength. Where are you weak? How can he help you? Moses said, you can't send me, I can't speak. And yet, what did God do through him? Write down your weakness on your ribbon, and just as Christ gave Malchus back his ear, so may his grace heal the wounds inflicted on the world through imperfect people just like us. Give to him your weakness. Write it down. And may your weakness become the foundation of his strength working in your life. This podcast is a ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Marietta. Come join us Sundays at 189 Church Street, Marietta, Georgia, or visit us online at fpcmarietta.org.